Why don't you be seated uh, tonight, and uh, we'll get right into it uh, with some announcements and things. Uh, tonight, of course, don't forget about uh, this coming Friday. Uh, if you have kids in, in Faith Baptist School, uh, we have uh, some uh, kickball and softball games, and that'll be at 6 o'clock uh, in the evening, so looking forward to that. Just come on out, and you'll have a great time and some fellowship, things like that. And then, of course, this Saturday, uh, 10.30 in the morning over in the Fellowship Hall, be meeting for our churchwide uh, outreach, and, and uh, looking forward to that. I know we're going to start uh, canvassing and things uh, for our fall revival, and so excited about that. And then, of course, Monday, uh, September the 19th, be some more games, and that'll be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And then next Wednesday night, uh, Brother Tim Quinlan uh, is going to be preaching our main service here uh, in the sanctuary, and so be much in prayer uh, for him. Uh, pray for us, as well as uh, Brother Jack and Miss Lizzie uh, Parker and their family going to be going uh, to the uh, Global Independent Baptist Fellowship meeting in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'll be talking some more about that uh, this coming uh, Sunday night, uh, but we'll be out of town, uh, and so be much in prayer for Brother Quinlan that will be preaching. And then, of course, men, don't forget about Friday and Saturday as the Baptist men's recharge on that September the 24th and 20, or 23rd and 24th. And so if you did sign up for that, make sure that you, uh, uh, make sure that you get your money uh, turned in. And then that Friday, September the 23rd, be leaving uh, at noon. And so, men, make sure that you're here uh, for that as well. And so, again, that's Friday at noon, September the 23rd. Be heading out, be meeting here uh, at the church. And then, of course, we've been praying and fasting for our uh, fall revival uh, that's coming up October the 2nd uh, through the 7th, and that's with Brother Ted uh, Alexander, and so pray uh, for him. And, of course, this week has been sweets, and so I don't know about you, but I've really been wanting a bowl of cereal pretty bad, amen. I don't, I don't know. How's your peach cobbler holding up, Brother, Brother Quinlan? I just want to mention that. So it's frozen now, amen, so... Amen. So looking forward uh, to, of course, next week, next Sunday, we start meals. Uh, and so if you can, if you would like to maybe take a, a day and, and really just fast from food or maybe just skip a meal throughout the week or something like that, you can certainly do that. And so that's the whole idea for next week. And then, of course, the week following be TV and entertainment. I did want to mention this. We do have some sign-up sheets now out in the outer foyer. We need some help with some things, and so be a fact for our, our revival meeting. Uh, we need some help with uh, nursery workers, and so if any of our ladies could help us out uh, with that. And then we're also hosting the Midwest Baptist Preachers Meeting on the third and the fourth of our revival meeting, and so that's Monday night as well as Tuesday morning. And so we do need some help with nursery workers that Tuesday morning of the meeting. And then also, uh, we're going to be doing a dessert fellowship after the Monday night service for all the preachers and their families that are here. And so if you, any of our uh, folks could help us out with some desserts, we have a sign-up sheet out there uh, for that as well. Uh, we're not telling, you know, what desserts we need. We're just asking people to bring some. And so if you'd be interested in helping us out with that, just sign your name down uh, there. And that way we, can, we know that some desserts are coming and, th and things like that. So please, again, help us out with those things and looking forward to a great meeting and what the Lord has for us. Amen. Let's go ahead and get our prayer list out uh, tonight. And I uh, do have quite a few things I wanted uh, to mention uh, tonight. <clears throat> you know, I didn't, I didn't do this, but I, I would encourage you to go ahead and uh, be a fact I wrote it on my prayer list. And of course, it's to me, it's just kind of natural knowing the things that 
are coming up as a as the pastor, but do write on their our fall revival and just pray for pray for Brother Ted Alexander. I talked to him this week, and so I know he's already praying now for what the Lord would uh, have for us, and and so just pray for him and just pray for the meeting in general. And that people would be in their place each night and just praying that we could certainly see visitors and, and things like that and that the Lord would really bless the service. Uh, but I don't know about you, but I, I just, I, I, I'd like to start right now, amen, and have revival. That's kind of the whole idea there, but just pray for that. Some other things I wanted to mention tonight under our health columns there. Uh, if you would, continue to pray for Miss Melanie Edler. Good to see her here uh, tonight, but just remember her in prayer and just for, some, uh, just for some life circumstances, if you would, continue to pray uh, for her. And then also Miss Marie Christian. Uh, Miss Marie's not here tonight, as well as Gary and Angel Waters. Miss Angel's not feeling too good. And then pray for Miss Marie Christian. She's still dealing with her eyes and things like that, and so looking like they may end up having to do uh, some surgery uh, there. And then, of course, speaking of eyes, pray for Brother Chuck Bellis. They had to go down uh, yesterday, I believe it was, and so he's uh, had his uh, eye appointment that he has uh, every month and a pretty serious uh, procedure that they do uh, with him. And so pray uh, for him on that situation. And we've got quite a few doctor's appointments and things coming up. Brother Bob Nugent has a heart doctor appointment on the 22nd, uh, as well as Brother Roy McRae having cataract surgery on the 22nd. And... Uh, and then we've got some other appointments coming up. Miss Allison Kennedy uh, with a doctor appointment on the 27th, as well as Miss Nancy Burge, uh, who's having some tests on the 27th of November. And so pray for her. Good to see the Douglases here again tonight. Miss Ruth able to be here. And it's a real blessing. And so pray for her. Continue to pray for her mom. Uh, I actually got her uh, as being home, uh, but turns out they were not able to let her go home, and she's still in rehab. And so if you want to change that uh, to rehab and uh, just continue to pray, uh, though, for her, and sure thankful for the progress. The Lord's just really given grace uh, there. Also pray for Brother Randy Crawford. I mentioned Sunday he was able to go home. And then also the Whitney family, Miss Becky Whitney, that's Brother Matt. Uh, Whitney's sister was involved in a pretty serious car accident. And sure, thankful she's okay and recovering, but just got a long way to go with that. And so continue to pray for her. And then also under the unspoken, if you want to add Miss Georgie Raymer uh, for an unspoken. And then do continue to pray for the Paul Crawford family. I mentioned him uh, last Wednesday night. That's Brother Randy Crawford's uh, little brother that went home to be with the Lord. And so just a lot going on with their family, and so I know they could sure use some prayer. Anybody have an update tonight or prayer request or anything like that? Brother Steve? Mercy. D-E-M-O-T-T and Kirby with a K, I take it. Right, yeah. They need a lot of prayer, and that's a blessing. Wait, amazing how the Spirit works like that. So, all right, let's pray for, uh, let's put Kirby DeMott on our prayer list uh, with a pacemaker 
and sure thankful they were able to get that done. So just pray for that recovery and everything will go well. Anybody else tonight? All right, Mazzotti? Okay. I was wondering about him. Okay, so that's uh, Gigi Huggins that has been on our prayer list and just a little uh, young uh, little guy, about 10 years old, with that uh, pretty rare cancer. And so I know he had been in hospice care for a while. And so let's pray for his family uh, tonight. All right, Brother Raymer. Praise the Lord, brother. That's a blessing. That's a blessing there. So, And Brother Raymer's been battling that thing, and so thankful for that. That's good stuff tonight. Anybody else? All right, let's have our men uh, come tonight. And uh, y'all watch, watch it with those offering plates back there. So, I didn't know if he was trying to hit Brother Raymer to get him to cough again or something there. So you got to watch him there. So, Amen. We do. We've got a lot of things, a lot of folks battling some things and, and uh, you know, just some different health issues and spiritual battles and things like that. And uh, pray, uh, let's just pray for specifically tonight, certainly for those things, but also for the fall revival and just looking forward to uh, just meeting with the Lord and some time with Him. Brother Raymer, would you pray for us tonight, brother? Amen. Amen. most recent uh, prayer letter from, I think this is the first uh, that I've been able to do this. I saw that we'd gotten a letter from them recently. I wanted to uh, do that tonight would be uh, our, one of our, maybe our very newest missionary, the Crots, Richard Crots III and his wife, our missionaries are on deputation to Papua New Guinea. He says, we find ourselves continually praising the Lord for his goodness toward us. We're now nearing 40% of our needed support and we're praying it continues to grow quickly through the rest of this year. There are several churches we are praising the Lord for that have taken us on for support recently. I'm also very excited to announce in this letter that Leslie had our second child, Richard Leon Crotz IV, on August 20th. Both mother and baby are doing great, though I do ask that you continue to pray for Leslie as she continues to heal. 
little Leon flipped himself around last minute and they had to perform an emergency C-section. At her last appointment, they said everything was looking great, for which we again praise the Lord. Uh, in Christ, Richard and Leslie, Leslie Crotz. So as this uh, hopefully gets posted later, they've got some pictures. You can kind of take a look on the board back there uh, when this gets posted. But I wanted to just uh, uh, give that update to you so we can pray for her in particular as she heals and continue to pray for them as they are uh, traveling all around the country, putting many thousands of miles on their vehicle. And uh, uh, we're certainly praising the Lord for the support they currently have and as they continue to get more support. Brother Parker, would you pray for the Crots as well as our other missionaries? Amen. Would you stand with me one last time tonight, please? Let's turn to page 636. Page 636, the way of the cross leads home. We'll sing all three verses tonight. Page 636. Lift it up on that first verse. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light. If the way of the cross I miss, the way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. I must needs go on in the blood-sprinkled way. The path that the Savior trod If I ever climb to the height sublime Where the soul is at home with God The way of the cross leads home The way of the cross leads home It is sweet to know as I onward go of the cross leads home then i bid farewell to the way of the world to walk in it nevermore for my lord says come and i seek my home where he waits at the open door the way of the cross leads home the It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. 
Amen. Great singing. Please remain standing tonight. Get your Bibles ready for the message. Good singing tonight, good spirit tonight. Uh, pick your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians tonight in, in chapter number 4. And of course we have been preaching uh, through the book of Ephesians. And um, boy how true it is. It is like drinking water from a fire hose, isn't it? And uh, just the richness and the doctrine uh, that is there. And uh, going to see some things tonight uh, from this, and, and I believe it will be a help uh, to us tonight. So Ephesians in chapter number 4, and we're going to begin reading just verses, uh, verse number 1 there, and just uh, verses 1, 2, and 3 tonight is really all that we're going to look at uh, tonight. But notice the Bible says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, of course talking about the Apostle Paul, and notice he says, beseech you, in other words, beg you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Okay, now notice the comma, so it's a continual thought in verse number 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. And again, notice it's still not ending, gives you a semicolon, carries into the next verse, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so the idea there is to get you to understand that all of this is in the context of unity. Be a fact that continues on and talks about there is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is above all and through and through all and in you all. I, you understand it's the idea of unity here that's going to continue on down through these verses. There are two things that you need to understand tonight as you and I get into chapter number 4. One, this is a turning point in the book of Ephesians, okay? Where much of the epistle has been doctrinal, the Apostle Paul now turns to the practical, but Paul also returns to the subject that he has already dealt with, meaning this, unity. Okay? Now, if you've been here through these messages, this really goes all the way back to chapter number 2. Alright? Where Paul began to deal with that. He began to deal with the disunity between uh, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. Be a fact, he made two doctrinal points in that. Number one, we are all saved the same way. If you are saved tonight, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. You can only be saved one way, and that is through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And here's the second thing. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. If you've been saved, doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile or black or white or from Kansas or Missouri, we all have access to God through Jesus Christ. And then chapter number 3, really Paul spent a tremendous amount of time encouraging those Gentile believers who felt like they were second class citizens. And Paul made it clear, no, 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 no. God called me to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Be a fact, you also need to understand this, that placing you in Christ Jesus, that's been the plan of God uh, before the foundation of the world. So this, this, you understand, this, this, is, this is God's eternal plan and that 
You need to, you not, you don't need to feel ashamed of that. You need to be thankful for that. You, you need to be faithful in that. You need to be rooted and grounded in His love. You need to know this. He can do, listen, He can do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. What a blessing that is. So now as we enter chapter 4, Paul once again returns to this subject of unity. But this time it's more practical. In other words, it's his approach on this is going to help them to have unity within this church. And here's what, I, here's what I, I'm just telling you my heart on this thing. It's really, he begins to deal with it and begins to deal with a specific subject. As it, because here, look, if I can get my words to make sense. It really, as most things do, this subject of unity starts with the heart. And that's what Paul is going to deal with tonight. So here's what I titled the message tonight. The Attitudes for Unity. The Attitudes for Unity. Father, would you bless the preaching tonight in Jesus' uh, Tonight, sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. And out west. And when their friends visited and inquired about the ranch's name, the would-be rancher replied, Well, I wanted to name it the Bar J. But my wife favored the name Susie Q. And then one of my sons, well, he wanted it to be called the Flying W. And then my other son, he said, You know, I think we ought to call it the Lazy Y. So the friend said, well, what did you come up with? He said, well, we're calling it the Bar J. Susie Q. Flying W. Lazy Y. Ranch. And the friend said, well, look, we, look, we looked around. We were driving in. Said, where's all the cattle? He said, well, none survived the branding. <laughs> I guess you could say tonight the moral of the story is this. Unity is important. Disunity can destroy a ranch just like disunity can destroy a church. And so hence the Apostle Paul now begins to return back to this subject on, on unity tonight. Now, let's, let's spend a little time here. And really, because the, my heart on this passage tonight is this, is that really much of chapter number 4 deals with the subject of unity. And so as we get back into this and we begin to see the practical things tonight, I just feel like that maybe some of this tonight is, is really an introductory to the subject of unity in its entirety. But I believe that once we get to the end of this thing, it will make sense on, on why we're looking at this, uh, why we're looking at some of these things. But before we go any further in this message tonight, I do want to make it clear that our text is dealing with the unity of a local, visible assembly called a church. All right? And this unity, and this unity is the only unity in the Bible that you and I are called to keep. Did you get that? Because, listen, the reason that I point that out is because there are all kinds of doctrines and philosophies that are out in this world today that are calling people to be in unity with all kinds of things. And you and I tonight as God's people need to be very, very careful 
with those things. Everybody get what I'm saying? In fact, let me, let me just make it clear tonight. The, the, one, we're not called to be in unity with this world. Is everybody catching that? Listen, we're called to be separated from the world. Yeah, and, and by the way, let's, let's be biblically balanced here because we're not called to be isolationists. All right, we're called to be separated. Is everybody getting that? That means this. We're not, well, you know, preacher, we're just wanting to get off the, off the radar. So, no, 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 friend. We're not called to, to move out in, in, you know, in, in somewhere and be a monk and shave our head or stick our head in the sand, so to speak. We're to be in the world. We're just not to be of the world. You understand what I'm saying? But the reason that I point this out is because our world today is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, so to speak, with technology and communication and all kinds of those things. And it is putting all kinds of pressure on God's people to be in unity with them. To tolerate. Boy, that's a big word, isn't it? Today, you, you know, tolerant, and it's, and it's funny, the, the crowd that cries to be tolerant isn't very tolerant if you disagree with them and don't want to be in unity with them. Does anybody get what I'm saying? Uh, be, be a fact, they're, they're, listen, they, they're wanting full support of those things that oftentimes we find are in di- direct contrary to the, the Word of God. They, they pressure you with labels and, and false accusations. And if you don't agree with them, then, well, you're racist or you're bigots. And, and my personal favorite, you, you guys are, you're legalist. And the reason that that's my personal favorite is because you don't understand what that term means. Legalist is someone that requires a work in order to be saved. And the last time I checked, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, it's for by grace are you saved through faith. It is not a work. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. But see, once a person is saved, they are called to separate from the world and unto God. And so you and I need to understand tonight that having biblical standards in your life, it doesn't make you a legalist or a Pharisee. It makes you a Bible believer. Because that's what the Bible says we're to do once we've been saved and made a child of God. Somebody say amen tonight. Let's not be scared of these things. Uh, you, you understand? Be, be in fact, that there was a time, please catch this, there was a time where this false unity took place. If you remember in Genesis, after Noah and his family got off the ark, God told them to multiply and replenish the earth. But that's not what happened. In fact, instead, there came a group of people together in unity, really in unity against God, and they, they disobeyed His commandment to disperse, and instead, they begin, they begin to build a tower in a city called Babel. If you realize this, that the idea behind the tower was this, because they didn't trust God and His Word and the promise never to flood the earth again. So they were building a tower. They all spoke one language. They were all in one place. They were all in unity against God and His Word. And the result is this. God was not pleased with that. And be a fact, He, began, he judged them, caused them to speak other languages, hence the name uh, Babel. Now, now please understand this. And, and you need to grab a hold of this tonight. The people of this world are not our enemy. That's our mission field. Is everybody catching that? And, and so however, listen, and, and, but you also need to understand this. We'll never win them to Christ by compromising the Bible in order to live in agreement with them. 
Does anybody catch this? No, we're called to be, we're called to be a separated people unto God. But at the same time, you don't have to be ugly about it or mean about it. No, friend, did you know this? You can actually disagree with somebody and still love them. I mean, I, I, I'm just telling you, people need to be reminded of that from time to time, it seems like, in, in these days. But this, and this is where we need to be. Let me, let me help you with something else tonight. We're not called to be in unity with false religion either. <laughs> I can remember pastoring in Cassville and being invited to the Ministerial Alliance. Boy, that was exciting. I didn't go, man. Are you crazy? But this was where the Southern Baptists and the Lutheran and the Methodists and the Catholic and the Church of Christ and the Christian Church and the Evangelical and the Charismatic, they all got together once a month and they'd have a little service and encourage one another. And to me it sounds like the Bar J, Susie Q, Flying W, Lazy Y Ranch. And what a mess, friend. Listen, you got, you got some that believe you got to get baptized to get to heaven and others that believe you can pay your way out of purgatory and, and others that, well, you need to speak in some gibberish that nobody understands so that you can be right with God. And then you got a woman standing up preaching. And you understand, as a pastor or as a church, we are not, I said, we are not called to be in unity with those things. Absolutely. In fact, there will also be another time down the road where all of this false religion will come together during the tribulation period. And God calls her the great whore. Babylon. All over again. And you understand God's going to judge, the, judge her for her wickedness and her compromise of the scriptures. And I'm just telling you right now, as pastor of Faith Baptist Church, I don't want to be part of any of those things. Friend, I want to be found faithful when he comes. Somebody say amen tonight. Listen, but, but again, I, I'm not called to be in unity with them, but that doesn't mean it's okay for me to be ugly to them. Is anybody catching that? I, I, I'll play golf with the Pope. I will, but I'll tell him he's a wicked sinner and needs to get saved. Amen. That'll really mess up his golf game so I can win. I just get in his mind right there. Amen. Start witnessing. But you understand, that's not, listen, but I, I, I'm just saying, we're not called to be. I, I remember our neighbor in Cassville was the pastor of the Christian church, a super nice guy, and he was very kind to me, and I was very kind to him. He was a great neighbor, and I'm thankful for that. I, I can remember when I first became the pastor there in Cassville, and, 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 and I guess they had written an article in the paper, and, and, and so my family and I were eating in Pizza Hut there because that was like the only place to eat in the restaurant there, and you know, it was next to one of the three red lights we had. Big metropolis, right? I mean, Brother Rain knows what I'm talking about, Brother Clark. But she under, I mean, we were sitting there and I had just moved, we were just eating supper there and all of a sudden this lady walked up to me and said, are you the pastor, are you the new pastor of the church, uh, Bible Baptist Church? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Pastor So-and-So from Spiritual Streams Fellowship. And I went, okay. <laughs> what do you say to that? Kind of took me back there for a minute. I was like, uh, all right. Well, I'm just, listen, but you need to understand, I'm not going to sit down with her and wish her Godspeed, all of those things, but neither am I going to be ugly and call down fire from heaven and the judgment of God. I'm not going to be that way. Listen, and I realize tonight, I keep bringing that up, but the point is this, and you need to grab a hold of this. There are a lot of God's people who have that attitude towards the lost or even the misguided of this world. And you need to understand this. You can have right doctrine, but if you have a wrong attitude, you too are in the wrong. I said you too are in the wrong. 
Let, let's just be Bible-believing Baptists tonight and not be mad about it. Amen? And I, I think that we can do that. But here's, but here's the other thing about this, and here's why. Because if we're not careful uh, about things and about our flesh and, and our spirit and those kind of things, see, those same fleshly attitudes can carry over into the body of believers called a church that we are called to be in unity with. And, and this is what our text is dealing with tonight. Well, one, and you, listen, let's, let's make some things clear tonight on a base level. Number one, every person in this room tonight or listening online needs to be saved. God has called you to be saved. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I'm telling you tonight, every person needs to be saved by grace through faith tonight. But then secondly, once you have been saved, it is commanded that you would follow Christ in baptism and be part of one of His churches. That, that's not debatable. This is part of God's New Testament plan. It's part of the pattern in the Scriptures that people got saved, they were baptized, and became part of a local visible assembly called a church. And once you are saved, and once you are made part of that church, I'm telling you, friend, you're called to be in unity with one another. Hence the term body. Look, look at this. Let me show you some things here in Ephesians tonight. Go back to chapter 2 and look at verse number 16. He says this, and that you might, and that you might reconcile both unto God, talking about Jews and Gentiles, in one body. By the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Did you catch that? Look at chapter 3 and verse number 6. And then, again, this is the mystery that Paul was dealing with. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same, notice that word right there, of the same body. Talking about Jews and Gentiles in a church together in unity. In chapter 4 and verse 4, uh, there is one body and one spirit even as you are called in one hope. Of your calling, look at verse number 16 of chapter 4. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh an increase of the, of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, I would say tonight that those among Faith Baptist Church, many of us know this, but in the Scriptures, a church, I said a church, is always likened unto a local, visible assembly of baptized believers. It's always that. It's not some universal, invisible thing. It's a local, visible assembly. Hence, you have the epistle of the Ephesians written to the church at Ephesus. And in, and, and, and in the Scriptures, a church is likened unto three things. It's a building, Jesus Christ is the foundation. It's a bride, and Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. And it's a body, and Jesus Christ is the head. Is anybody catching this? And the point of calling a church a body is to illustrate how it's supposed to perform in unity, because you and I both know that when something, when, when some part of your body hurts, it affects the rest of your body. I remember when I was in the third grade and I fell off 
uh, fell off the stairs at a ballpark and I landed head first on concrete and I had my left arm over my, over my head and I hit on this side of my head and cracked my skull on this side and I broke my, broke my left arm in two places. I remember waking up in the parking lot of the hospital and, and crying and told my mom, I said, I can't move my arm. And then I looked up at the hospital and I said, I don't want to go see the doctor. And then I passed back out. It's a good thing I passed out because I'd probably try to climb out the window and run out of the parking lot. Amen. But then I woke up and looked. But here's, here's what I'm trying to get across to you tonight. That when all of that happened and I woke up, I didn't just pop up and go, okay, I'm good. No, I didn't, I didn't do any of that at all. Because though there was one part of my body that was hurt and another part up here, I'm telling you, it affected the rest of my body. In fact, some of you are looking at me tonight like it's still affecting your body. Amen. <laughs> Nothing wrong with me tonight. What are you talking about? The point is this, though a couple of parts were hurt, it affected the rest of my body physically, just like disunity can affect a church body spiritually. L- listen to this. Disunity... Disunity keeps us as Faith Baptist Church from being everything that God has called us to be. Okay, preacher, what has He called us to be? Well, if you go back to chapter 3 in the very last verse, here's what He says. He says, unto Him, talking about Jesus Christ, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You know what that means? That means that in Faith Baptist Church, we're to give glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friend, you're not going to find Him giving, getting glory unto Himself when we're fighting together like a bunch of Hatfields and McCoys. It doesn't work like that. And generally speaking, okay, generally speaking, this is the stuff that I've witnessed over the years in churches, okay, the majority of the time, the majority of the time, people hate conflict and confrontation. I said the majority of the time because I, I do realize that there are a handful that enjoy it. It's almost like they can't live life without some kind of drama going on, stirring the pot and causing problems and things like that. And, but, but you understand, for the most part, people tend to shy away from confrontation Here's what I've, listen, we're in a generation that can't stand to be rebuked with what's right. I mean, it's, listen, you, you try to tell somebody something as the pastor and try to help them out, and they just get mad, and, and, and listen, and here's the thing, or, or we, there's some conflict, there's something going on between uh, two members, and here's what happens. We can't stand to be rebuked, and we can't stand conflict, and so what, as a result of that, we don't settle our issues biblically. We don't settle them biblically. In a smaller church where tension can be easily sensed or the conflict's well known, what happens is people typically leave the church instead of biblically handling conflict. It's usually what happens. Well, I just go over to so-and-so church. Well, here's the deal. Back in these days, you didn't have nowhere else to go. You had to get it right. But what happens too is that in a, in a larger church, well, you know, since it's larger, it can be absor- absorbed a little bit easier. So, so what happens is this, people just ignore certain people. They'll stay over there and I'll stay over here and we'll be all right. They stay on that. But, but you need to understand, and, and, then, and then this is what happens, all right? 
Then they usually try to settle things passively aggressively. Passive aggressive. You know, well, I'll just, I'll just throw a little post out there on social media. It won't be directed at them, but you and I both know it's at them. Or, well, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll just gossip a little bit. Maybe it'll wait, make their way around and they'll hear it and they'll finally come. Let, let me help you with this. That's not how you deal with confrontation. Is everybody catching this? That's not how you resolve uh, biblic- biblically. That's not how you resolve conflict. Maybe in fact, hold your place there in Ephesians chapter 4 and go with me to Matthew chapter 18, just very quickly. We'll get back to Ephesians chapter 4 in about 30 minutes. All right? And be in fact, once we get back there, it'll actually go very, very quickly. But I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 18. Isn't it amazing? The Lord Jesus Christ, well, He started His church, and so He begins to deal with it right here. <gasps> you mean the church didn't start on Pentecost? Nope. It was empowered on Pentecost, but there was already a local assembly of baptized believers with Jesus Christ and His apostles. In fact, they were gathered together with 120 of them in Acts chapter 1 and had a business meeting. Now, if that ain't Baptist, I don't know what is right there. Amen. Look at at Matthew chapter 18. Look at what Jesus said. Here's what He said, verses 15 through 17. He says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Did you catch that? That's putting on big boy pants, big girl pants right there. Everybody getting that? Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen, Man and a publican. So he gives you the process. He says, number one, go to the person alone. Go to the person alone. Face to face. Not direct message. Because here's why. It's not anyone, it's not anyone else's business. And did you, and did you know this? And I, I love that he says this because here... This is what I found, and I don't know if you realize this or not, but there have been times where I offended someone and had no idea I offended them. And thankfully, they came to me and talked to me about it personally. Now, now sometimes it was, it was just maybe, you know, they, they misunderstood something or, or, or something like they took something the wrong way. I do have that effect on people. But you know what? Sometimes there were times where I said something that I shouldn't have said and didn't realize, didn't realize I offended somebody. And thankfully, they came to me and they talked to me about it. And did you know this? I was, uh, did you know this? In every instance, you know what happens? In every one of those instances where I've ever had that happen, there has been apologies given, and I gained a brother or a sister just like that passage right there. You know what that means? That means I gained a closer relationship with them. Just like that. And then he says this, that if it can't be resolved, then you've got to get some witnesses. And typically that involves the pastor and you try to sort out who's in the wrong and who's in the right because there's two sides to every story. And so you try to counsel it and figure those out. But, but here's the thing, 
it, in the end, it should be resolved because if it's not, then you have to bring it before the church. And if the person still refuses to, to get right or, or something like that, well, then they have to be removed. Well, why? Why do they have to be removed? Because unity in the body is important. It's important. But here's why I'm giving you all of these things and showing you all of these things. Well, one, it's so that we can see that the Bible has the answers it has the answers on resolving our conflicts. And yes, we are a church family. We are a church family. But here's one thing that I've always said. It, that it's like the magnet on my mama's refrigerator. Family is like chocolate, mostly sweet with a few nuts. And some of you are going, yeah, I know who the nut is tonight. Not to, it might be you. I'm telling you, what I'm saying to you is this, is that we're a bunch of people and we're a bunch of sinners and we all got the potential to be nuts every now and then, amen? But but here's the thing, but even so, we ought to be able to resolve our conflicts biblically by following what Christ said to do. Is everybody catching that? But see, here's here's the second thing. Our, Our willingness to follow... And to do what Jesus says to do right here in Matthew chapter number 18, that's determined by our heart attitude towards unity. And that's what Paul's dealing with in Ephesians chapter 4. In fact, let me show you some things here. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Let me just give you some things very quickly tonight and we'll be through. Look at verse number 1. He says, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Now remember, there's a comma there, and it flows all the way to the end of verse number 3, where the sentence ends, the paragraph ends. And really understand, it's all in the context of unity right there. And what I believe he's saying is this, is that in order to resolve a conflict and be in unity as a church body, we have to realize the appropriateness of unity. Now let me explain that. See the word worthy right there? He says that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. That word worthy right there, it literally means this, appropriate. And what he's saying is this, is that in order for us to walk appropriately in the position that we've now been given in our salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, the theme of the entire book, what he's saying is this, is that in order to walk appropriately in that position, We are called, we are to be in unity with one another as opposed to be in conflict with one another. Wasn't it, excuse me, wasn't it Jesus that said in John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have conflict one to another? That's not at all what he said. He said, if you have love one to another, not conflict. The point is, To appropriately represent Christ and have the testimony that we're supposed to have in Him. We're to have love towards one another. And by the way, not love like the world defines it. Because he says it in the previous verse. To love one another as He has loved us. He's the standard for love, not the world. Is everybody getting that? And so, here's the thing. We're to have love one towards another. Not grudges and not bitterness and not conflict. Something else to point out. I think this is pretty noteworthy too. Notice what Paul says. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, beg you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. 
Um, this is the second time in a row, all right, where, where, a chapter, where a chapter begins with Paul mentioning he's a prisoner of the Lord. In fact, you go back to chapter 3 and verse number 1. He says, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. So there he mentions it again. And I believe that, I believe the point of Paul bringing it up here is to say that really when it comes to us being in unity with one another, we don't have a choice in the matter. It's what we're called to do. (laughs) You understand, it was Paul's desire to go to Rome and preach the gospel. Come on, we're seeing that in the book of Romans on Sunday morning. But, But I'm telling you, but Paul going to Rome as a prisoner... I, I, I don't believe that was in Paul's plan. I believe Paul was thinking, I'm going as a missionary. But God's plans and Paul's plans are two different things sometimes. Just like God's plans and your plans are two different things sometimes. And my plans, anybody get what I'm saying? And so what I'm saying to you is this, is that, is that this is what we are called to do in unity. Though our flesh wants some other things, God's plan is for us to be in unity. We're not called to get even. I said we're not called to get even. And we're not called to hang on to grudges. Or to scheme in our malice. Come on, listen. That's not God's plan. That might be your plan, but that's not God's plan And what I'm saying to you is this, is that just as Paul had to submit himself to God's plan, though it was different than what he planned, I'm saying to you the reason that he's bringing this up is to say to the church at Ephesus, you may have some things you're thinking about, but your responsibility is to submit to what God wants so that the body can be in unity and bring glory and honor to His Son. It's what we're called to do. And by the way, It's the Spirit of God that placed you in this body. Come on, it's the Spirit of God that that baptized or that uh, that 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 converted you, convicted you, and drew you in your need to be saved. It's the Spirit of God that drew you in your need to follow Christ in, in baptism. It's the Spirit of God that placed you in this body of believers, if you're a member of this church tonight. It's God working in your life, friend. And so, therefore, it's not God's plan for you to leave the body and go somewhere else. No, no, the appropriate and right thing to do, the appropriate and right thing to do is to resolve any conflict that you might have with someone else biblically. The way Christ said to do. And, 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 And anything outside of that, puts you outside of the will of God for your life. And not in right fellowship with Him. Mercy. Okay, preacher, well, how do I, how do I start do, doing this thing? I'm so glad you asked. We're right on board tonight, aren't we? Look, look at verse number 2. He says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. So notice he begins to give this abasement, this abasement attitude that you and I are to have if we're going to have unity with one another. 
So he says in verse number one, you're called to do this. It's, it's appropriate. It's right. But if you're going to do this, this is the, the, the heart attitude that you must have. It is a basing in humility. I've, I've often said this. Two humble people can resolve any conflict. Two humble people can resolve any conflict. But even in a situation where the other party is unwilling to resolve the issue, humility ensures that we let go of bitterness and grudges and continue in this wonderful love of Christ that ended chapter 3. And this is what Paul deals with in this verse. He, He says this, he says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another. And I believe this. I, no, well, just let me give you some definitions. Lowliness literally means humiliation of the mind. It means to think less or low of oneself. Pretty opposite of the world, isn't it? Meekness, man, I don't know about you, but I, I always think of Moses. The meekest man on the face of the earth, the Bible says. Meekness is... Well, it's gentleness, it's humility, it's, it's power under control. Moses had much power with God, but every time he faced a conflict, here's what Moses did. God, God, we got this problem. You need to take care of it. Is anybody catching that? Come on, I, I'm telling you, I, I believe this. I believe these two attitudes right here, this, this, this lowliness and and meekness with long-suffering, that, that patience there. Yeah, I believe that these, have, these, these attitudes of the heart is what brings us to a place where we can do what the last part of this verse says, which is forbearing one another in love, which means this, to literally put up with one another. In love. That, that's a little bit different than what you are giggling at right now. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just putting up with them. No, it actually, literally, it has the idea of this, forgiving one another and living in unity with one another as opposed to conflict. You want to know why I think things like lowliness and meekness are so key to this? Well, here's why. Because lowliness takes self out of the picture. Did you know this? One of the most common usages in conflicts is the word me. Me. Well, you don't understand what they did to me. Well, you, you, listen, you, you don't know what happened to me. Well, preacher, you don't, you don't understand how he or she, they, they hurt me. See? Me. And I'm, I, listen, I... I'm not here tonight to minimize any conflict or issues or things. I, I realize tonight that people can be cruel and, and vicious in the things that are done towards one another, unfortunately, even in churches. I'm, I'm not trying to play ignorant to that tonight at all whatsoever. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that you will never let go of bitterness and move on in the love of Jesus Christ until you think less of yourself than what you currently do. You'll, you'll never move on till you get past the me part. And what's needed, what it, what's needed in your life 
And in mind tonight is forgiveness towards one another. Not bitterness, and not grudges, and not vengeance, and not malice. And, and in fact, notice, look at verses 26 and 27 of the same chapter. Y'all still with me? Come on, I'm almost done. Look at verse 26. He says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That means this, resolve it right now. And here's why. Neither give place to the devil. Listen to me. You're sitting here tonight in unresolved conflict and in bitterness and in grudges. You're you're exactly where the devil wants you at tonight. I'm telling you tonight, I don't want to be there. I don't. I don't want to be there. I want to be in love with my God and I want to be in love with my church family and those around me. Is everybody catching this? I ain't got time to sit around and waste my life on bitterness and pride and anger and malice. There's way more to life than that. You want to stew in that stuff tonight? That's fine. But not me. Not me. Be, be in fact, the, 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 the characteristic of meekness Loneliness takes self out of the picture, but meekness, that puts God in the picture. <laughs> meekness is power under control. Who's power? His power. It's leaning on His power. Meekness, listen to this, meekness enables you to forgive as Christ forgives. It gives you an understanding, listen to this, it gives you an understanding that just as Christ died for my sin, Christ died for their sin as well, even if it was sin against me. Be, be a fact, it turns things over to God. Lord, I, I forgive them. You, Lord, I, you, you forgive them. You, you take care of the situation. And here's what I found out. God can take care of His sheep way, way better than you and I can. Now, and I'm not saying I, I want the sheep to be slaughtered. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that God can chasten His sheep and God can deal with His sheep way better than what you and I can. And so we just need to let Him have it. And we need to move on in Christ's love and forgiveness and unity. Now look at the last thing, and I'm through tonight. Look at, look at verse number 3. He says this, endeavoring, <clears throat> endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And really what I would call this is the action for unity. See, whenever you endeavor to do something, you're, you're not being passive. You're, you're using promptness. You're getting after it. And it's the idea of taking action immediately in order to achieve something. And in this case, it's unity. And and we are to endeavor, he says, to keep the unity of the Spirit uh, in, in the bond of peace. And that's the idea of having unity of the Spirit in this church. That means this, that if we know of a conflict right now, or we're ever faced with one in the future, we have the responsibility to take action immediately and resolve it. That's what he's talking about. Doesn't that kind of tell you how important unity is in a church? Because when a church is in unity, it can be, boy, it can bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, be used greatly by Him. But when it's not, listen, and conflicts are, are allowed to fester, boy, bad things can happen. Bad things. Before I got into ministry, I was a welder and 
And uh, I remember when I started, started out doing metal work and fabrication and, and stuff, I, I, learned, I learned that I needed slip-on boots, just the kind of boots that you just slip on. I learned I needed those the hard way. And what I mean by that is that I wore lace-up boots. And I remember one time it first started out, and I, was, I had a torch, and I was cutting. I can't remember if it was a piece of angle iron or I-beam or something. I was cutting that thing, and I was just going along. And all of that metal and all of that slag was falling down. And I didn't realize it, but a piece of that slag, that hot slag, fell down under the lip, under the tongue of my boot. And went down in there and got trapped between the top of my boot and the top of my foot. And it was burning a hole in it. And I had, I had double knotted my laces. Oh. I mean, I was borderline getting the pocket knife out to cut them loose. I mean, I couldn't. You talking about just, I mean, I'm trying to get that thing off. And, and people over there thinking I'm doing a rain dance and trying to, you know, I don't, what's the matter with you? And I, listen, I'm Baptist. I'm getting a little excited. Stop it. I couldn't get that boot off fast enough, man, and it burned, it burned a hole in the top of my foot about the size of a dime. And I mean, it cooked it good. Well, I had, just, I had just gotten saved, and I was going to church. And so I can't remember what day this was. It was like on a Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was like on Thursday or Friday or something at work. And I remember Sunday came. And so we were getting ready to go to church, and so I started putting on my dress clothes, and I put on my, my dress socks, and we went to church. And by Sunday morning, man, I was sitting in the pew, and... It wasn't because the music was good. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was hurting. And, and by the time I got home, what had happened was the ink from that dress sock had got that, gotten that wound and caused it to be infected. And it went from the size of a dime to about the size of a quarter. And the top of my foot had swollen up. And I mean, it was incredible pain. I had to, I had to soak it in some Epsom salts and draw out the, you know, the infection and all of that stuff and anyways I was, I was miserable but I healed up but here but here's the point see wounds like that in a church are the same way you got conflicts and things that are unresolved and all that stuff does is it allows things to fester and what started out really is something minimal that should have been taken care of promptly it just grows, and it grows, and the next time you run into them and you start talking, there's more stuff, and it just builds, and it builds. And it, in fact, I've seen infections develop in bodies to the point that it destroys the body, it kills the person. And I've seen the same kind of small things like that develop in a church and build up. And I, listen, listen to me, and I've said this, I don't know how many times, we're, we're not... And I realize that the pressure is growing and growing and growing from this wicked world on the Lord's churches. But as far as I can tell, the majority of the time, churches are closing today. And it's not from pressure from the liquor crowd or the drug crowd. It, we're eating ourselves up from the inside out. Because we're not resolving our conflicts biblically like Christ said. And, and going, hey, let's, let's, just, let's just hash this out. or let, Hey, let's get forgiven and, and, and forgive one another and, and love one another. Instead, we let stuff fester and grow until it finally, and it's a big mess. And here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying this. Listen, church, 
body, you belong to Christ. And if you're not in unity with one another, you're hurting His body. That's pretty serious. That's pretty serious. This ain't about you. And so therefore, it's appropriate and right, and you're called to get it resolved. Right? And what you need to do is you need to think less of yourself, and you need to get humble, and and you need to go to them, and you need to get it resolved, and you need to do it now before there's any more. Well, you know, preacher, I just don't, listen, I'm thinking about going somewhere else, or, you know, I don't even come to the Lord's Supper because you have to get right with people in the church. I don't even do that. Listen, stop it. Stop it. That's not right. That's not appropriate. And what needs to happen is you need to humble yourself and make things right. I don't know. I I feel like in Faith Baptist Church, we've got some pretty good unity here. And I'm thankful for that. But I don't know if there's any kind of conflict that's going on and maybe the Spirit of God's dealing with you about something or whatever, but here's what I would say. I would say you need to do this. Because, listen, there, go back and read the end of chapter 3 on the love of Christ, the fullness of God, the breadth and the height and the depth thereof and to know those things. You're never going to know that as long as you're sitting around living in bitterness and got stuff festering that you need to deal with. You need to. Let's all stand tonight.